the new game that I just recently learned and made a character for and joined a group that are going to be playing in is called Hyperborea, which, from my understanding, is based off of Advanced D&D First Edition. That's, that's my rough, 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 rough understanding. So I've been learning that game over the past week. It's the the campaign. It's going to be an ongoing campaign, which should be fun. I haven't played in one of those for a minute. Uh, it's it's being run by the amazing TJ Drennan, which is just awesome. And my favorite part about it so far, without a doubt, is the setting document that TJ sent out. Because the game Hyperborea comes with the default setting. But TJ's kind of thrown a lot of that out and gone with his own setting, and it's friggin' amazing, man. Uh, there was so much fodder for the imagination in this 32-page setting document, which I I just destroyed it. I <laughs> I consumed it so fast. It was really really interesting stuff on the history of the world in general the continent that the the main story will be set in the gods the the town that we're starting in cultures everything you could ask for it was all right there a bunch of names for each type of culture and it's just great as soon as i started reading it i just had a bunch of different ideas so the guy i ended up making because it sounds like the group uh, needed a cleric. So I made a cleric. And his name is Miradon Moonbeam Grim. Or sorry, Miradon Moonchild Grim. And he's totally sweet, dude. <laughs> so I rolled randomly for his uh, like age, height, weight, and background. Because that's, that's an option that you can do. So folks were kind of doing that. And so I rolled up his background. What did I get? Cook. <laughs> <laughs> in my Jason we're online he's like you think you can handle that one dude I was like yeah I think I got it dude so he's like a cook in his early 30s uh, just working at this kind of nicer dive bar if that makes sense it's not the diviest of dive bars but it's certainly not the high end bar um, working as a line cook in this bar in sort of the kind of college area of town where the where the college is and yeah so the setting is it's a science fantasy setting so it there's medieval themes bronze age themes uh science fiction themes all of that smashed into one and it's just a really fun evocative world so Miradon, he is a, uh, a line cook and cleric. He prays to the god of stargazing and star spawn and space, all that stuff. He's all about space and stars because in the world now, we can only see one star, which is called, fittingly, Far Star because it's very faint, way up in the sky. And that's the only one you can see from the planet anymore. But we know, the people know that back in ancient times, the sky used to be filled with stars. What has happened? So that's going to be really fun to explore. That's what my dude's all about. He's also from the Yanari people. They're from the desert. They're hedonistic people from the desert. So Miradon likes a party. <laughs> 
he likes to party it up big time. I found a cool picture of um, an illustrated drawing. I'm pretty sure it's illustrated. An illustrated drawing of Stilgar from Dune as my character portrait. That's kind of how I picture him looking. Though, not acting. He doesn't act like Stilgar at all. Stilgar is way too serious. Mirrodon is a party boy. <laughs> it's the name Moonchild. He likes to get down. So yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. I've I've the group. If everyone shows up, it's gonna be an eight person party, and I've never played in a game with that many people at the same time. Now it's likely that not everyone is gonna be there for even most of the games, but that's that's gonna be interesting. Am I gonna like that? I don't know. I I don't know. I I find it. It seems like it's going to be challenging to run that big of a group online. But we'll see how it goes, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah, Hyperborea. It's, it's a cool system. Uh, seems, seems pretty straightforward. I, <laughs> I rolled randomly for spells and ended up with the spells Cold Resistance, Purify Food and Drink, and Sanctuary. So look out! <laughs> Look out for Mirrodon once we get into combat. I can turn undead once per day, so that'll be helpful. I have five hit points, so that, you know, I can take a shot, hopefully. I'll be able to take at least one shot. Got no healing. There's no healing at all. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, dudes, let's... <laughs> Let's rock and roll. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Like I said, there's eight people in the group, so I'm not going to try and name them all or anything. But I it's a bunch of folks. It's some people I have played with before. And then it's like half and half people that I've played with before people that I haven't played with before. It's going to be a really interesting experience. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll just yeah, we'll take it from there. See how long Mirrodon survives. If he goes down, I have a backup already. My backup character's name is Yimish lit he is <laughs> got the best name in the entire world those names all came from uh tj's setting document yemish was one of the first names he suggested lit was one of the last names i put it together yemish lit he's awesome <clears throat> he's a cleric of one of the old gods who aren't really around anymore they don't really have <coughs> excuse me a whole lot of followers or anything but he's a worshiper. Yemish is a worshiper of the god Groan, who is the god of forest graves, blood and bone, and lost souls, or something like that. He, Groan is just hard, dude. <laughs> Groan is super hard. So if Mirrodon goes down, Yemish is ready to rock and roll. I am <laughs> I'm excited about Yemish, too. But yeah, that's it, man. Uh, Hyperborea. That's pretty cool. I believe it originally was called... Uh, this is me making shit up. I think I've heard this before. Astonishing Swordsman of Hyperborea. I think that's what it's called. It's often referred... To, during the hangout we had last night, folks were referring to the game as Ash. Uh, like what you get when you have a fire. You get Ash. And I assume that's because it's astonishing, astonishing, astonishing swordsmen of Hyperborea or something. I don't know, but the group seems cool. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm, I'm a little, <clears throat> I'm a little iffy 
on an eight-person party online. I, I, I just think there's going to be some challenges there. But other than that, that's pretty much that, man, as far as gaming goes. I have a Wrath of the Righteous game coming up this coming weekend at time of recording. The, the party should probably make it to the Ivory Sanctum unless they get really unlucky and just have their two hexes away. So if they get stuck with two a random encounter in each place, plus the party has to sleep at least one. Well, no, they only have to sleep once. So if they get really unlucky and hit all three random encounters that they could, uh, that's going to depend on the dice. If that doesn't happen, they will reach the Ivory Sanctum for sure this coming up session and that's going to be a trip man it's it's spicy in there dude <clears throat> i know i say that a lot but it it's we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes <laughs> we're definitely gonna see how it goes it should be really fun and then for call of cthulhu i got uh i'm pretty much set i'm ready to go that game's gonna get run on october 1st uh i i the characters the pre-gens are done and the players have them I, I, I got some pictures ready for the game, you know, for this possible 20-minute game. <laughs> but I'm ready for it. And, yeah, that's it for gaming. So, yeah, let's get into some calls. We're going to talk. We're going to talk some Wrath of the Righteous. We're going to talk some Call of Cthulhu. We're going to talk some other stuff. So let's start off with Carl because he's got, he's got a question. Well, not really a question, but we'll talk about what Carl has to say Uh after he gets done saying it. So, Carl, take it away, dude. Today, I got a few calls. I got a call from Jason, one from BJ, and one from Carl. Uh, I made some new characters. I joined a new group and a new campaign and learned a new game. And that's all the stuff we're going to talk about today. So, what's first? Let's do the new stuff first and then calls later. All right, me, take it away. Hey, Joe, just listen to your Wrath of the Righteous recap, and now that they're fighting some real demons, like greater demons or actual demons from nomenclature from the AD&D first edition book, right, type one being the rock, and they're going to get some other types uh, probably soon, if they haven't fought them already. I think they have. Anyway, I was wondering why you're not using uh, teleport. Uh, teleport is at will. Greater teleport is at will for most of these demons. So, um, yeah, are they countering are the players countering the teleport because it's uh pretty easy to cast it's not even if someone's pinned down they can still get away so anyway talk to you later oh yeah i guess i know this because i frustrated the hell out of my player characters and there was some smashing of books but i was like well you're not doing x so yeah okay talk to you later hey joe jason here so listen to your latest episode talk about how simple Call of Cthulhu is, the idea of percentiles, and be able to look at your sheet to see exactly how good you are at things. I mean, you're right. And when you compare it to other games, especially die pool games, but even D20 games, it's so much easier to look at a, at a system that's a percentile system and tell about how good you are. Now, Ubiquity, the nice thing with those Hollow Earth Expedition sheets was that in addition to having the number of dice you roll, in that game you can take the average. So if you're rolling eight dice, you can take four successes average without rolling the dice. 
And that's nice because that gives you some idea of how good you are at something. But if it's just a, a normal dice pool game like Shadowrun or something like that, well, I, I shouldn't say that, but because I don't know enough about the new versions of Shadowrun. But if it's just a lot of these games, you really don't know how good you are at it. But if I look at the sheet and see 65%, I have a pretty good idea how good I am at that, right? So percentile systems are just so much better, in my opinion, for introducing new people and so much easier just to take a glance and know how, well, think how good you are at things. It's just not funny. Now, I, I did that last correction to think how good you are at things because, you know, 55% might not happen as often mechanically as we think it does, but at least we can kind of understand what we think the odds are. And ultimately, do the real odds matter or do what we think the odds are, does that matter? And I think what we think the odds are, if I feel that I have a better chance because my sheet says 70%, that's more important than what the mechanical actual average is, I think. But anyway, just thought I'd leave that diarrhea of words in your inbox, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, Joe, just listening to your uh, prepping is playing uh, episode. Great episode. And, you know, I haven't called in in a while because I've been behind on just being part of the the whole uh, anchor podcast community scene so but it was great to uh play with you in the uh with, with the uh hollow earth expedition that that was awesome um i hopefully we'll get a chance to either play that game again or do something else together that that was a lot of fun i particularly thought that was a, a pretty good group uh me and you and carl and, and jason <laughs> that that was a uh you know that was the original Cerebrivore crew, right? Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll do something like that again. I also thought it was kind of funny. I mean, you, you, you so you're prepping is playing, and the joke I was going to make is, though, if you're, if, you're, if you're prepping as a DM, are you playing the same game as a player making a character? So, you know, just, just want to keep you and Jason fighting about that particular question for as long as is humanly possible. In fact, you know, we kind of naturally in the, uh, the, uh, hollow earth expedition kind of, kind of naturally paired off into, into two sets of kind of buddies. Uh, you and Jason were one set and me and Carl were the other. And one of the jokes I, I was about to make, but, but the, you know, the, the scene shifted and I didn't get a chance to make it when we were one of the times where we were kind of separated and, you know, had paired off and to do something was, you know, my character was going to say, I bet they're over there arguing about whether the uh, officers and the enlisted men are fighting the same war. Just, just to kind of <laughs> reference that again, that, that argument that you guys have been having and will continue to have about, you know, whether DMs and players are playing the same game. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling. Great episode. Good to hear you. And I'll talk to you later. That's a great question, Carl. Why aren't they using, why aren't the demons using teleport? To get away when they're grappled. So let's get deep. <laughs> let's get deep into the rules. Uh, in Pathfinder First Edition, monsters have different types of abilities. Uh, two types of abilities that they can have are supernatural abilities and spell like abilities, abbreviated SU for supernatural. Uh, I think it's SA, but it might be SL for spell like abilities. And so if if the demons had teleportation as a supernatural ability, 
then they would be able to cast it when they're grappled because supernatural abilities don't require any sort of uh, semantic, somatic or verbal components. So you can cast those without moving, without speaking, without anything. No concentration check, no concentration check required whatsoever. Yeah, no problem. That said, most demons, the majority of demons, have greater teleport at will as a spell-like ability. And spell-like abilities do require a concentration check when you're grappled. And the DC for that check is insane. It's 10 plus the grappler's combat maneuver bonus plus the spell level. So, say, if Randor is grappling a Vrock... Randor's grapple check is when he's all buffed up and stuff. I don't know. 25, I think. (laughs) So 25 plus 10, that's 35. Plus the spell level teleports like a fifth level spell. Greater teleports like a six or so. You know, you're looking at a high 30s, low 40s concentration check DC. And they just can't hit that. Even if they wanted to, because a nat twenty, a natural twenty in Pathfinder, is only an automatic success on an attack roll or a saving throw. Other than that, it's just a twenty. So yeah, even if they rolled a nat twenty on their concentration check at caster level, even fourteen, that's thirty four. So there you go. Uh, that's that's why they can't get away, and that could be why. Um, some of your characters got so wiped out fighting these demons that were just teleporting all over the place willy-nilly. But it, it's tricky, right? Because there's all these different types of abilities. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's why they're not just teleporting out when... Why the demons aren't just teleporting away when Randor grabs them. Now, if somebody ran up to a grappled demon and touched it, and then cast Teleport to teleport it out of the way, that's not a problem. Or if the demons have other abilities to escape grapples, that's also an option too. So it's not just that Randor can run up, grapple every single demon. Um, but yeah, it you know especially if that demon is, I don't know, up in the air, <laughs> flying around. So... Yeah, I'm not taking it easy on them. I'm not I'm not letting the demons get murdered and not playing them as well as I could be. Though I'm sure I could be playing a little tougher if I really thought about it. But I, I am doing a pretty good job. Some of the last couple fights have really tested the party, used up a ton of their resources, and um, brought folks low, 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 and hit points. And in the Ivory Sanctum... It's going to be interesting because there's no resting, you know, there's no sleeping. Once you're in there, you're in there. I mean, you can retreat and try and run away and hide somewhere. Uh, they'll, they'll come out looking, I'm sure, but that's, that's an option. But other than that, once you're in, you're in. So what you got is what you got. And, yeah, it's <laughs> the two big bads that are hanging out in there are... You know, and the party knows that Xanthir Vang and Jerabith, the two big bads of this book in particular, but 
they have been the architects of other stuff back in the early adventures. The party, actually, nobody has put it together, but I'll mention it now because I think it's fun. In book one, when the party first makes it back up to the surface and they come across the ruined library where they run into Erevashniel, um, while they're searching through the library, they come across the husks of all these dead gray worms. And I, I mentioned that to the party and the party was, uh, and nobody really, <laughs> nobody really did anything with it. Cause what are you going to do with that at that point? Nothing. You don't know anything about that till two books later, which is about a year's worth of time later. So yeah, guys, you actually had sign of Xanthir Vang all the way back in book one. That's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. Wrath of the righteous is just friggin' cool. <laughs> It's just totally awesome, man. I, I I do love Pathfinder. I do love this adventure path. And I am just so excited that we are almost done with book three. Because it just gets crazy from here. It just gets wild from here. Uh, book four is nuts. I've read through a bunch of book. I read through all of book four already once. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Five, I haven't really read any of, of book five. And then the last book, book six, I, I started flipping through the first couple pages. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be nuts. I cannot wait. But, Carl, thank you for that call. That was awesome, man. Thank you for letting me get deep into the nerdy weeds of Pathfinder First Edition. It's awesome, man. I appreciate it. So thank you. Now, Jason, you're up. What what are we talking? I think we're talking Cthulhu, right? Let's see. That was an awesome call, dude. What are you talking about? But yeah, 100%, man. When you're looking at the Call of Cthulhu sheet and you see you have a 65% chance in something and a 3% chance in another thing, you, you, you get a good sense of where you're at, of where your character's at. And that's, I, I love that. You know, like with Pathfinder, you look at a sheet and you see you have a plus five in your sword attack. Uh, what is, you know, is that good? <laughs> Am I good? Did I get, depends on what level you are and stuff. But, you know, when you're when you're looking at the the Chaosium Call of Cthulhu stuff, it's just like, yep, here you go. You have a 65% chance with your shotgun. You have a 45% chance with your pistol. And, you know, your spot hidden is like 74% there, you know, you, you got a good idea of what your character can do right there. It's pretty, it's pretty fan freaking tastic. And yeah, ubiquity was great with being able to take the average, uh, you know, you'd roll, you'd be able to either roll 10 dice and look for successes or take five successes uh, automatically and that's that's pretty cool that there's some risk reward there there's some speeding up of the process if you want especially as the guy running the game you can as when you're running npcs you can have them always take the average if you want so you can really speed things along if you're just constantly having the monsters and bad guys take the average uh yeah dude so i thought your call was awesome man Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. That was great. 
Uh, always good to hear from you. It's also always good to hear from BJ. BJ Boyd, man. He's got something to say about my last episode, too. So, BJ, what's up, Doc? <laughs> nice, dude. I win. That would have been so... I would have lost that. I would have absolutely lost it if you would have been like, I bet they're fighting if they're... <laughs> I bet they're arguing about if they're fighting in the same war. Holy shit, man. Uh, yeah, dude, I... You know what? <laughs> I didn't even put it together, BJ, that you're right. We That was the original lineup for Cerebrivore playing in that game. I, that didn't even cross my mind, dude. Um, and, yeah, that, that game was really fun. I had, a, I had a blast. I think that Ubiquity system, the Hollow Earth Expedition game, I think those are both really cool things. And I hope we do. I hope we get some more games back to the table. Like I said in my last episode, uh, Carl and BJ are, have been playing the new Marvel game. They've done the, the new Marvel RPG, uh, and that seems really cool. That's over on the Geomologist YouTube channel. So yeah, it was, it, it wasn't, it was just kind of funny how we did end up pairing off with Jason and I and you and Carl. Just kind of worked out that way, um, but. Yeah, man. Oh, God. I bet they're arguing about if the officers and enlisted men are fighting the same war. <laughs> man, I would have, I, I don't know, I would have flown out to Oklahoma and kissed you for that one, dude. That one's, that one's too good. But I will fight forever. I will fight forever. Yes, prepping is the same thing as a character making a backstory. Yes, it is. That's awesome that you bring that up. And yes, they are both part of the same game. So, on that note, dude, thank you for that amazing call. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad things in your life seem to have mellowed out a little bit. Um, so, congrats on that, dude. Um, it's good that you're back in the mix. Love hearing from you. Love playing games with you. And thanks for the call, man. Let me uh, let me get out of here. What else has been going on? Because that's about it for as far as like gaming stuff goes. Um, well, at time of recording right now, the Mariners just won their baseball game. So they are currently, at, again, at time of recording, they are a half game out of first place in their division, and they're about a half game completely out of the playoffs. That's how close the race is. That's how many teams are vying for first place and playoff spots it's going to be a crazy few games left i think there's i don't know maybe 15 games left or so it's going to be a really interesting end to the baseball season we'll see how that ends up panning out uh i've gone back i've started doing the intermittent fasting again i've been doing that for the past two days so doing the old uh 10 a.m to 7 p.m that's the that's the time period when I can eat. Nothing nothing after seven PM, nothing before ten AM. Getting back into that habit, which is gonna be good. You know, because I know I can do it. I've done it before. And uh yeah, I just I gotta start doing something. Oh man. But that's that's pretty much it, you know? That's that's pretty much that. <laughs> September is halfway over at time of recording. It's almost October. It's almost fall. Um, I, I, I can't wait. 
I can't wait for fall and winter. I yeah, I know a lot of folks out there consider me heathen for that because I'm anti-summer, but I'm anti-summer and I feel all right about it. I absolutely feel all right about it. Anyway, everybody, that's it for me. I'm going to get out of here. Take it easy. Thank you so much to Carl and BJ and Jason for the calls. I really appreciate it, boys. That's super kind of you. And until next time, everybody, have a good one. Take care of yourselves. Take care of somebody else. And until next time, peace out.